Welcome to Oncology Data Advisor. Today we're having this interview in honor of Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month. I'm joined by one of our editorial board members, Dr. Joe Kalis, who's an ambulatory oncology clinical pharmacy specialist at the University of Colorado Health. He's here today to discuss some of the challenges related to the diagnosis and screening of pancreatic cancer, as well as the ongoing research in these areas. Dr. Kalis, thanks so much for coming on the show today. Akira, always an honor to be here. Thanks, thanks again for having me. I'm excited today that we'll be able to join in on the efforts during the month of November to raise awareness of pancreatic cancer. So for background, could you talk a little bit about the incidence and prognosis of pancreatic cancer? It's it's certainly one of the more aggressive, I'd say poor prognosis types of cancer out there. I mean, if we look at statistics, National Cancer Institute here in the U.S. has about 3.3% of all cancer cases diagnosed annually are pancreatic cancer. However small that number is, it still makes up anywhere from 8 to 10% of cancer-associated deaths, depending on which sources and what year you're consulting with. And, and prognosis, unfortunately, is also quite poor. Again, National Cancer Institute has it at about 12.5% of patients are still alive five years after survival. So it's certainly a, a cancer type that while we have treatments for, there's still a lot of work to be done in screening and early detection and really speaks a lot to the need for exactly what we're talking today, the, the awareness of the disease and then perhaps some of those signs and symptoms. You mentioned the need for better screening and early detection. What are some of the factors that make early diagnosis a challenge? Some of it comes down to just the physical location of the pancreas, sort of upper abdomen, but tucked away behind other organs. So a lot of the cases that are found in early stages, stage one, stage two, where perhaps surgery is still an option, it's a lot of cases I've seen are really just incidental findings. You know, a patient had to have a scan done or tests done for another cause. And then they saw something on the scan, went into the biopsy and found out it was pancreatic cancer. And the symptoms as well are quite you know, nonspecific as the term as medical folks would use. But I think of that as just broad. You know, it could be abdominal pain, could be a change in bowel movements, could be a new onset low back pain, depending on where in the pancreas the tumor is originating from. But even other things such as fatigue or jaundice, weight loss. So it, essentially just symptoms and conditions that I think there's many other explanations for. Mm-hmm. And talking through the statistics like we just did, if you know I show up at my, my primary doctor saying I've got some nonspecific abdominal pain, I've got a little diarrhea and I've had some weight loss, you know, I think they're differential diagnosis, they might think, okay, perhaps it's something viral. He's trying to lose weight anyway. Maybe that's part of it. So it can be a little bit of a longer path until the formal diagnosis of pancreatic cancer is established. It's definitely a very challenging disease to diagnose. Along those lines, are there any efforts that are underway to develop early detection or different screening methods? Absolutely. It's been one of the things I'd consider almost the holy grail in pancreatic cancer detection and treatment. Now, there's certainly methods out there now, imaging, things from CT scans to MRIs. A lot of practitioners will use what's called an endoscopic ultrasound, where the tube will go down a patient's throat and then the ultrasound is taken internally. It, it would be great if there's a way developed that we could look for things in a, a blood test. There's some biomarkers used now. On one, we call it cancer antigen 19-9 or CA-19-9 is what you'll hear for short. And, and while it can be measured or detected in, in 
a blood draw, it's unfortunately not specific to just pancreatic cancer. So it could be elevated if somebody has a gallstone or cirrhosis. So it can't be used by itself as a way of diagnosing or even really screening for cancer, pancreatic cancer. You'd still need the imaging and some of those other pieces to complete the puzzle. Going on now, across many tumor types, looking for circulating tumor DNA. So essentially DNA fragments from the cancer that we know are linked to a certain cancer type. I'm personally curious to see how that research bears fruition and what it might tell us in pancreatic cancer. But I think even then, you know, just on the screening tools we have now, if, if we were to broadly screen everybody over the age of 50, I've seen some statistics that would indicate it's a very large number of false positives and folks that don't actually have cancer having to go through that journey and the mental anxiety and anguish and testing, hopefully to find out that they don't have it. So screening can be a challenge, both in terms of what tests we have available, but then also how sensitive, how specific, how accurate really are those tests. It's great to hear that there are all of these directions being explored to improve diagnosis and screening. So in light of November being Pancreatic Cancer Awareness Month, is there anything you would like to share about the disease in hopes of raising more awareness of it, both for the healthcare community as well as the public? Absolutely, absolutely. It's certainly a a bad actor of a disease, as some of my mentors would call it. I think what I would encourage folks to do is continue to really just be self-aware of their own bodies, their own health. If something odd or unusual is happening, I think you're often the first person that notices it because you're, you're living in that body. So if there is something that has caught you off guard or by surprise, we got, I've got this abdominal pain. If it's caught your attention and it's out of the ordinary, I would say don't hesitate to get it checked out. If it turns out to be nothing, well, then at least it's nothing. You know that continue throughout the course of daily life from there. But really where we are in the research and science with pancreatic cancer right now is early detection is really key. So even if we find you know, one of those odd nonspecific symptoms, we catch it early, surgery could be an option, radiation is an option, may not have to have chemotherapy, but it's really the cases we catch early on are the ones that do better long-term. That's great to know. Is there anything else related to pancreatic cancer that you'd like to mention today? You know, we've got treatment options available. There's still a lot of research ongoing with chemotherapy and some of the sequencing. We've made, unfortunately, slower progress with pancreatic cancers in terms of chemotherapy treatments compared to others like breast and colon and lung, simply because it's a lot harder to get chemotherapies actually into the pancreatic tumors. Kind of this thicker outer layer called a stroma that it's difficult to even get smaller drugs through. So a lot of the strategies now are involving coding or disguising chemotherapies in such a way that it's almost able to pass undetected into the tumor. So I'd say if somebody that you know or a loved one is diagnosed, it's not without hope. We've got treatments out there. The science is advancing. But again, get those signs and symptoms, anything odd or unusual, checked out as soon as you can. These are all really great messages to hear. So thank you so much for coming on today and helping us to raise awareness of pancreatic cancer this month. I'm looking forward to hearing more about all the research that's underway to improve treatment outcomes for people with this disease. So thank you again.